Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. For those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I am a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. But for anyone who also follows my blog, you know I don't always just cover music. We also cover film and comic books. And both of those genres or mediums were a hallmark of the late Stan Lee. Stanley passed away this week at the age of 95, and I was just uh, inspired to do a podcast episode uh, in tribute to Stan. Uh, There's many different reasons that I chose to do that. One is because of his huge influence upon my childhood. Growing up in the 70s, when Marvel was still a relatively new company, uh, they were revolutionary, and those characters really took a hold of my uh, imagination. And as I grew up, uh, seeing the popularity of these characters continue to grow into film and all other sorts of medium was a really a an exciting and interesting aspect of of uh, his creations. But Stanley was a complicated character. Uh, he, he was just as larger than life than many of his comic book characters that he created. Uh, he was not without controversy and not without some uh, uh, flaws of his own. But he was such a great champion of the medium. And such a larger-than-life presence, uh, I think anyone who is a fan of comic books has to have some sorts of a fondness for Stan Lee. So, in today's episode, I and my co-host Chris Logan are going to talk about our uh, childhood memories of Marvel Comics, uh, Stan Lee's impact upon uh, our childhood, uh, his impact going beyond that. We'll discuss uh, his legacy, complicated as it is, and uh, what how his uh, spirit and uh, memory will live on. So sit back and enjoy our tribute to Stan Lee. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about the late, great Stan Lee, who lived to the ripe age of 95, which is a good run by anybody's estimation, I, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Which makes me, I haven't been that sad about Stan Lee because I think he did have a, a good long run, but I think it's just brought back so many childhood memories and, uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, I think for me, uh, comic books had such a huge influence on me as a, as a kid. I mean, they were how I learned to read. It was. Yeah. You know. uh, I, I was, yeah, that's one of the things I was going to say is that it was, it was really one of those things that made you want to read more. So, yeah, I think that one thing about comic books that, you know, I, I know that we're going to get into it about their impact today, but I mean, back when we were kids, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't an elite thing. It wasn't just in the comic book shops that wouldn't really come until we were in our teenage years. So, right. so comic books were very much a, a kind of omnipresent factor in our lives. You could go to the drugstore and, and beg your dad to buy you like a three pack of comics or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was such a, you know, such a fun pastime. And I think that, I mean, I love DC Comics. I always have, and I don't know if I if I can even pick between Marvel and DC because I like them so much. But there's something about Marvel right. that I think really set them apart for for me and a lot of what Stanley's doing, which is kind of giving you these characters that were flawed. They weren't like Superman or Batman who seemed just kind of flawless and 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 impenetrable in, in a way. And and I don't know if it's something that, that I noticed till recently, but, but, you know, when, when we were growing up as, as little kids, you know, DC had been around for about, I guess, 40 or some odd years already. They, you know, got started in the late thirties, right. but 
Marvel only got started in the early '60s, so they had not been around that long when we were when we were little. They they were still a very brand new company, and I think that's that kind of energy. I think uh, maybe brought them to life a little bit more for us in, in that capacity, just because it was so it was so fresh. I think. Yeah, uh, you know they they were only us uh, just about twenty years old whenever I started. Um, you know you know, tugging up my dad's sleeve to take me to this little, there was a little place on Camp Bowie. I don't know if you ever, ever went there whenever you lived here in Fort Worth, but it's called Fantastic World. Oh yeah. It was my, that was a, my... and it was, it was small, but then within like two years time, they moved to this big, huge, huge space. And it was right about, about the time whenever, I mean, I hardly didn't know anyone, you know, as usually just males, you know, the guys who didn't read at least a comic, something. It may have been Superman. It may have been Spider-Man. You know, I was, um, I was a fan of the teams, you know, X-Men, Avengers, um, even Defenders, you know, trying to collect uh, Namor and Human Torch. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah, the, the, the Invaders. I'm trying to think. Yeah, uh, oh, it, the Invaders, that's what it was. Defenders had Iceman, Beast. Yeah, def- mm, it, was, it, was, it was people that were, were part of X-Men. Was Namor in that? I think so. Def- I'd have to go back and look. Defenders was weird because it was almost like where all the misfits went. Cause they like the Hulk was there for a while and Dr. Strange. And then they have like this really cool, right. cool, like kind of occult characters, like son of Satan, which was my personal favorite just because how right. cool it was. Yeah. Was yeah. Son yeah. Of, I mean, exactly. Yeah. So that was, a, that was it was, a, it, it, it was a weird group, but I, I, I like, that's what I liked about it is that it was such, it was like the left, maybe not the leftovers, but like sub characters. And, and, and the major groups, because everybody looked at Wolverine or Cyclops or in the Avengers, they, they always looked at an Iron Man or a Thor or something like that. These guys were the ones that were kind of behind the scenes a little bit more. N- not to say that they aren't important in, in, in their normal groups, but that I, I liked, uh, that's one of the reasons why I like Defenders. But, you know, honestly, it was just, you know, going from the little store and, and the little fantastic worlds and, and then seeing how much that the entire industry started to really explode. You could still get giant size X-Men number one for like 50 bucks back then. Brand, you know, but not, maybe not brand new, but you could find a, a, you know, a nicely packaged, you know, in a plastic sleeve and a backboard, get it for $50 as a back issue. And now I think it goes for right around, Oh, I don't know, 4,000. And, and of course that's near mint, but still, <laughs> you know, I know I've got like these, like four, like, I guess like six long boxes of comics. I still have. And I'm just like, I, I wish that I kept them in better shape because I just read them all, you know, and then, and I, I can right. get something for them. I've got like some really, it's pretty valuable comics if they were mint condition but they're they're all dog-eared and you know i i, I, I read them like crazy because I, I just didn't have the collector's mindset back then i wish that i did in right and toys and, and everything else but i, I yeah. think i think the thing about about stan lee and this is the same as like jack kirby or which we'll get in that a little bit too but 
all those yeah. kind of elder statesmen, when we were starting to read Marvel, they had kind of, they weren't really that involved in the, in the company anymore, but, but thanks to like reissues and kind of repackaged stuff and compilations, yeah. you could see their work. And of course, you know, his fingerprints were all over Marvel mm-hmm. and it's just, I mean, I was going to the list of characters that he's created and it's, it's, it's crazy because I mean, it's mind blowing. I mean, it's hundreds, hundreds of characters. I mean, basically pretty much every character in the Avengers that you see in in the, in the, in the the Marvel movies now, just, just about every one he's had a hand in some way or another, not all of them, but, but he's had, he's had with with a ton. And I think that, you know, what I, I always remember that story that he's probably told a gazillion times in interviews where he talked about how he was, he was going to be a, going to give up trying to be a writer and he didn't know what to do and his wife was like why don't you for once write a comic like 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 you you know like like you really want to do it and not have to be beholden to the editor and, and all that yeah and I, I i want to say it was the first issue of spider-man and i think that's when where, where he where he just decided that he was going to kind of give it his all and of course he gave it his all and it was right you know it because i think he he was doing what was you know, for the time, you know, crime and sort of what we we consider noir type, mm-hmm. and a bunch of like uh, bi- comics at the time, and like big atomic monster kind of stuff. There was a lot of that, right? Right. <laughs> That's actually where where I think Groot came from. Groot was like began life as like a giant, like you know, k- k- killer monster before he was in the Guardians of the Galaxy. But right. So 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 yeah, Spider Man was was a big deal. It, it you know it he he always said he hated the idea of sidekicks. You know, so instead of a sidekick, like you have Robin or Speedy or whoever Aqualad in DC, in 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 in, 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 in Lee's mind, you know the the sidekick was the star, and Spider Man was right. was the teenage awkward kid who got bit by a spider, and his and, his, and instead of his dreams coming true, his life got even worse. So it's like the, the right. <laughs> you know, the, these powers weren't fun. They weren't like some fantasy thing. It was like a nightmare for him. So that was a really unique way of, of, of doing it. And I think so many of the Marvel characters, you know, were like that. There's kind of like these curses, you know, like the Hulk, you know, right. a guy who, you know, just trying to be a scientist and interested in, in, you know, right. Energy. And then he becomes this horror uh, creature who can't, you know, escape this you know, the pull of this other thing or that you've got that fantastic four who will go into outer space right. and come back and they're all got these weird abilities and you got the thing who gets the, the worst end of the stick, you know, yeah. <laughs> becomes this hideous creature. So they, how do I look? <laughs> uh, sorry, Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then you get to, you know, for me, the one comic that I think kind of changed my life in many ways was, was the X-Men. Yeah. And, and you know, we didn't here. we didn't get to have his version, the sixties version, of course, with the mm-hmm. smaller team, but we got, you know, the uncanny version w- written right. by Chris Claremont where he kind of reinvented it and, and really he had the, yeah. the whole outcast aspect of it. Just adolescent right. it was a brilliant a brilliant way of bringing, you know, teen readers, I think, into into the fold or even preteens, you know. So there's yeah. Yeah. Like like I shared with you whenever we started talking about doing this, their text, you know, back then they were just uh, just action packed stories. There were there was a little bit of you know drama between the characters, but you, you I mean you always 
you wanted to, to follow these characters and how they were going to, you know, triumph, you know, the, the traditional good versus evil tales. And at the same time, they were way more deep and complex with these were, these were mutant people or, or people that were, uh, that, that had mutant powers and they just wanted to be on equal ground with everybody else. They were fighting for their rights. And it, it, it you know, it, it, it was the storyline, but you don't think of it that much whenever you're 13, Mm-mm. you know, but now <laughs> you kind of reflect and go, wow, that was a lot heavier than, than I really gave it, you know, any kind of, uh, any kind of thought for it's a lot heavier than it, than, than a 13 year old kid who was actually just having a good time reading a comic book. And it was a pretty heavy story. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure that had to have been, you know, since the original T was written during the Civil Rights era, I'm sure that was inspired by that. Right. And, you know, also, oh, yeah. and then you've also got, you know, it had racial implications. You know, you could talk about, you know, how minorities might feel, or you could talk about how someone who was gay might feel. I mean, it, it, right. had, it had a lot of crossover, you know, and, and, and Lee was always kind of very self-deprecating, like, oh, I didn't think all this kind of stuff. Oh, I didn't think about this, that, and the other. But I think that he's been a, right. been a little bit, right. a little bit self-deprecating. It, it may not have have been a direct thought, but it it sure it sure can now be something that that, that you can look at and go, oh, well, that that makes sense, though. <laughs> you know, because you know, like later on, whenever they had the Alpha Flight team, which was another team that I liked. Oh yeah, me too. Um, um, whenever North Star came out, I mean that was a big deal in comics, you know. Yeah, it was a huge deal. I mean, that was really, yeah. I, I, it, maybe it was the first openly gay comic, which sounds dorky, but I think that may have been he, he may have been it, and that was allowing the creators. I mean, and, and that's another thing about Stan is he allowed the the people that were writing the stories and doing the ink and and paints and all that he let them take the stories where where they wanted to go where they wanted to go with it so if you had that team together that that wanted to create just a you know something superfluous you know bang and pow and all that or you could take it to a different level where it it reacts on something um, socially, you know, uh, politically <laughs> in, in whatever way, or just have fun. Yeah. And I think the thing that was really, you know, I was, I was reading up, you know, I mean, I, I, I've always followed the Acer Liberty and the letters columns in, uh, in, in, uh, the back of Marvel Comics growing up, you know, hearing Stan like interact with the readers. He always had a really funny, oh, yeah. one, you know, the Marvel bullpen and, and if people would write in and say that they found an error, he would send them a, a no prize, which is basically a blank envelope. <laughs> he would send to people saying, <laughs> like, like he caught us and here's what you get. You get a no prize, you know, stuff like that. But, <laughs> but I, I was always like fast, like, what is the Marvel bullpen, you know? And I was reading up on it and, and it was basically like a factory line where they were trying to pump out the stuff as fast as they could do it because they only had so many hours in a day. So what he would do 
is he would have like the the artist draw basically draw the story without him writing anything and then they would you know give all that then he would take the the visuals and, and write words to it so it was a uh, almost like a backward kind of process to it and that's where i think a lot wow. a lot of <laughs> a, a lot of the people kind of you know the arguments about who gets credit for who you know the jack right. kirby's the steve ditko's and the john buschemas and, and and all those you know i mean i think john buschema said he was a con artist and and some people have have, yeah. have said some nasty things but i think when you when you're collaborating in that way it's really hard to give anybody sole credit because it was everybody's kind of working right. in, in concert so i think that it was kind of you know ingenious and, and the fact that he would like write stories to images i mean i think it was a very very interesting way of doing because i don't think any, many other comic companies operate like that it was i think it was much more linear but like dc and i think it was like you write yeah. the story but this was like this kind of like very unique approach i think this kind of improv maybe a provisational aspect of Marvel, I think made it very interesting, very over the top and, and so, you know, yeah. heightened. And I think that was really cool, but I was doing some research for this uh, podcast and I, I was looking up different stuff about Stan Lee. We're talking things about race and things like that. And I found something from December, 1968 from Stan's soapbox, which is on the back. It was in the letters page. I'm going to see if I can read some of it. Oh yeah. But he said, let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the uh, deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike teams of costume superheroes, they can't, they can't be halted with a punch in the snout or zap from a ray gun. And he goes on and on and on. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about where we are now. And it's like, we're not that much further from that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but and what year was that one? That was 1968. Oh, well. And it's a, yeah. and it's very lean. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but just kind of give you, you know. So when he says that, oh, I didn't mean this, I didn't mean that. I think he did. I think that that, and and reading something like that tells me that he had a lot more of that on his mind than, than, uh, than he often let on. Because what I think is interesting is that he said that he came up with Black Panther without even knowing that there was a Black Panther group. You know, oh really, <laughs> a political group. So that was. It was something that I thought was very interesting that it's like he got his happy accent and then you, you know, you come up with the first black superhero and right. Yeah. And so maybe there's some happy accident aspects to some of this stuff. Maybe it was right. pre-planned but, right. and you know, maybe it's kind of cool that we don't know definitively uh, of, right. of what, what happened here and exactly how it, how it happened. But there's, there's just a magic to it. I mean, I, I think of, I mean, I had stacks and stacks of Marvel comics and I just, yeah, I was so. I, what I loved about Marvel Comics, which is very different from from DC, and I think Stan really was kind of uh, really instrumental in this, is that the heroes are always fighting. It's like they would meet yeah. and they would beat the shit out of each other, and then they <laughs> and, and then they would go take care of, of of the real bad guys. But it was always right. nobody got along. You know, when when, when Fantastic Four, for, <laughs> when Fast, Fantastic Four first meets Spider Man, they see him as an enemy. You know, and and they're like yeah. taking him down. When the Avengers first form, they're all fighting like crazy. When the first Avengers stories, you got the Hulk fighting Thor, you got you know Iron Man fighting you know somebody else, Iron Man fighting everybody. <laughs> yeah, and then you have like and then you have like Prince Prince Namor, who was a total jackass and just oh, man what a jackass he was <laughs> I, I, I mean he's always come to the surface and trying to destroy everything and there's a i think there's that one comic i think it's maybe an early comic before 
like in the forties before um, Marvel came out in the sixties, they were like timely comics back then. But I think there was like an issue where basically Prince Namor and, and human torch like destroyed New York city essentially. in this, in this huge battle. So, so there was that really fun aspect to, to uh, Marvel. I, and in fact, I'm surprised that Prince Namor hasn't been in a movie yet. I think he really needs to be in one because. Uh, you know what? I, 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 yeah, I, I really thought that he would have shown up by now, but. Cause, cause he's kind of like the, the dickhead Aquaman, you know, I just, I, <laughs> I, th- I, I think that he would be really fun <laughs> yeah. because Stanley wrote him so well, but you know, we're also talking about X-Men and, and how that, but he kept up with somebody like daredevil, you know, I mean, that's very yeah. ahead of his time having a guy who's, who's blind, but yet isn't, yeah. isn't, isn't constrained by his disability. He actually goes out and has this extra sensory thing, which is so cool. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and then, you know, uh, you, I'm gonna get into so you met Stanley. Can you, why don't you talk about that a little bit? I think that's, that's well. I mean, it was it was just about as brief as it was a uh, the 1985 San Diego San Diego Comic Con. It was way uh, way before any anything what it is now. I mean, it was in one of those traditional big big halls of a hotel or a convention center. I think it was a convention center at that time. And it was it was really just booths with a bunch of a bunch of people that were selling selling back issues or posters or uh, action figures were still you know still doing some pretty good business I think with with uh, Star Wars at that point so I mean uh, Dungeons and Dragons was was a big was a big deal so I mean the the entity of San Diego Comic Con was was a lot different than the media onslaught that it is now. So, but there were a lot of artists and, um, uh, I guess, creators, <laughs> for for lack of a better term, that were all over the place. I mean, they they'd be the booth for you know, a couple of hours and they sign autographs and yeah, I got that. Uh, I met Stanley and I had a little, I had my little, um, I guess you might say it was like the souvenir program from the comic con and somewhere I have it around here. <laughs> I, <wish laughs> I knew where it was. <laughs> um, but Stanley signed it, you know, signed it and I got a Excelsior out of him and, you know, shook his hand and, I mean, it was really brief because, you know, it was one of those things where there's other people behind me, <laughs> but he was nice and, and, and took a few minutes and spoke with everybody, you know, asked us what our favorite character was. And, and so, you know, we shared just a couple of minutes together, but, you know, there were a lot of people that wanted to meet Stan Lee, of course. So. It was probably one of the longest lines that I that I was in all day. At that point, I think I only went to a couple others at that point. But um, yeah, it was he was just as you would expect, just a nice guy that was happy to be in the business that he was. You could tell that he loved, make, you know, being part of the comic industry and the fans that he had. He was very appreciative. And I think too, I think you're talking about that. I think the thing about Stan Lee, it, it's, it's just as equal to his, you know, creative input. He was also, I think, 
probably the biggest and most well-known ambassador of comics. You know, he was like the, the, yeah. the pitchman. He was the huckster. He was the, you know, the, the, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the salesman that was like keeping, keeping the energy of, of comics alive. And, you know, now, you know, kids are going to grow up today, like watching Marvel movies, like Hitchcock films, where you're going to look out. You always look, I'm waiting for the, for the, for the Stan Lee cameo, you know, it, it's like, and they were right. all, they're always good. I love the you Hefner one. And was that in, was that in, uh, which one was that in? Oh. I think it's one of the Iron Man's, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was in one of the Iron Man's, the, uh, three, I think. I mean, that was great. And I mean, my, my, yeah. per, my personal favorite, I think was the strip club DJ in Deadpool. I mean, I was absolutely, I lost my, I lost my shit when I saw that. It was like just so, so hilarious. I mean, they, I got to tell you, I, I did like the one in, 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 in the, uh, the last Avengers, the infinity war, where he was a bus driver because he was like, what? You've never seen a spaceship before. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good line, especially I mean, from somebody like him. I mean, he you was, know, <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun. And the first time that I heard his voice wasn't, was way before those movies back in the, early 80s oh, yeah. and that was when he did he would do the voiceover for the uh, intros to all the the cartoons that were on abc i think on abc and i believe it was for the hulk cartoon and for the spider-man is amazing friends cartoon too that i used to love yeah that's the one i remember the most and it was it was very much like if you used to read comics now it's very different because now comics are very much uh uh you open it up it starts off there's no there's no thought balloons anymore there's no uh no you know, it's it's very streamlined, but back then there were thought balloons out the ass, and they would always have these intros in the very beginning where they show an origin. They would explain the origin, so-and-so, so-and-so, and, and kind of give yeah. – and they would give another thought balloon, which basically would say, this is the kind of story we're going to be telling. And he would basically um, write those, but he would it, he would narrate those. He's kind of like the Rod Sterling of, you know, Marvel yeah. Marvel cartoons. Yeah. And it was really cool getting to hear his voice and – and uh you know, it's interesting because he's, I mean, he's always been around as long as we've been alive. I mean, 95 years, yeah. he lived a long time. So he, and because of that, he, you know, he got taken to the coals. He had issues with Marvel Comics, he issued with the, the creators. He had issues later in life with uh, right. elder abuse, people trying to take some of his money away. I mean, he didn't have the, yeah. for, for, for as much grief as he got for not taking the credit or taking too much credit. He also, you know, he didn't have the easiest way out of this of this or but he, he kept such a sunny disposition you would never have known that from, yeah. from the surface unless you read the, the news so i think that's something worth worth saying too is that you know he always kept a chipper demeanor and and you know kind of yeah, had kinda... he, he had he started to regain a little bit of that social media presence which i thought that's that's something fantastic you know that <laughs> that an old guy like him can embrace technology like 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 what the kids are using, you know, but it was really a a, a cool way, especially for people in, in, in you know in our age group because we like Stanley, you know. There's he just going back to what you you were saying, he just seemed like a, an ambassador for it all, and he's been through it, and he's just doing what he loves. And I think going back to what we're we're saying about uh about the uh getting the credit and, and that kind of issue um you know that's something that you know that obviously that's that's a problem that he had and 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 that's something that, that he's going to have his legacy is going to be kind of tainted with that for a bit but he's by no means yeah. the only person in comics who had that issue i mean i don't know do, do you have hulu 
Uh, uh, not anymore. I don't. I have. Because I, I don't know if you saw this documentary, but it was called a uh, Batman and Bill. And oh, okay. And you know, Batman is even though I'm a big Marvel guy, Batman is my favorite superhero, hands down. Yeah. And yeah. And I grew up like some people thinking Stan Lee created all these characters. I grew up thinking that Bob Kane was like the guy that created Batman right. and he was the right. he was the sole creator of Batman and I worship Bob Kane and I saw him on TV right. when the mo- the first Batman film came out in nineteen eighty nine and he was all this dapper guys. I mean he came up with Batman, all this different you know, and I, I was just enamored of him and I was like, This guy created the coolest superhero ever. Well, Come to find out, there's a guy named Bill Finger who yeah. wrote so many Batman stories and came up with so many of the important moments that you know about Batman. And Bob Kane basically denied him any credit. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and Bill Finger died basically in obscurity until, you know, fans kept saying, look, this is what's going on. And, right. and the documentary maker made this really touching documentary about Bill Finger and, and how his how his family tried to get his name back. And now if you see a I believe it was for Batman vs. Superman, if you looked at the credits, it says Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. So Really? They, so that's you know so it's Stanley is, is not the worst perpetrator of this by a long shot. <laughs> right. Um, and you're talking about meeting Stan Lee. I got to meet Jack Kirby and it was at a com- Oh that's yeah. It was a cool. It was a comic convention, I think, sponsored by Fantastic Worlds, and it was in at the Green uh, o- yeah. the Green Oaks Inn. Remember the Green Oaks Inn in Fort oh, Worth? Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And I went to there, and there was a, a, a cloud of of bo from nerds who were not big on <laughs> big on hygiene, and and I got right. to I got to I got an amateur art lesson from Joe Kubert, which was pretty cool. And, Very cool. And then I started cruising around the aisles. I saw Mobius was there, and all these different people. And then I saw Jack Kirby, wow. Jack Kirby, and I was like, okay, this is cool, you know, because when I grew up, I wasn't that big into Jack Kirby. I was more into like the new stuff. So Jack Kirby's art was kind of, right. you know, looked a little bit quaint to, to my eyes, but, you know, it, it was right. It, it, was, it looked dated. Yeah. It just had a very kind of iconic, you know, stamp of it. I mean, no one drew like Jack Kirby. And right. but but the older I got, the more I appreciated how cool he was and, and how exactly. And so, <laughs> so when I got to meet him, it was really, you know, it was, it was definitely an honor. He was the nicest guy. And he didn't really talk about any acrimony between him and Stanley and Marvel. He just, but he was very, he was very in the, kind of in the um, middle of trying to get Marvel to give him his, his credit and give him like his rights and, and, and pay him more money. Oh, wow. And this was, I think a few years before, before he died, before he passed away. So he was still very much into that, but he was the nicest person, you know? So I think a lot of these guys were very kind of not, you know, they weren't in it to be millionaires, but they wanted their, their credit. And I think that's kind of where all right. this kind of bad blood gets, gets distributed, you know, in who knows how much of it is, is, is one character belongs to who, or who knows how much they, they belong to each person. But I think that that anytime that money is, is denied anytime that that kind of stuff happens, it's just going to cause bad blood, no matter what industry you're in. As you were saying, we were talking earlier right. about how it doesn't matter what business you're in, you know, this kind of stuff happens all the time. So, but the fact all the time. And if Stanley didn't have anything to do with this kind of stuff, we wouldn't be talking about yeah. it. So, that was, you know, those were very influential um, uh, people to us when we, when we were kids. But the thing about that we soon learned is that even though I started kind of getting too old in my mind for comics, although I, I would come back to comics when I was actually closer to my late twenties, I'll get back into it. 
but uh but you know for time in college i was kind of go you know it's time to put these away but the thing about about marvel characters is that they never went away i mean anybody that thought comics were a, a, a fad or that you know even though marvel had its ups and downs financially as all comic book companies did during different especially during the nineties when they, mm-hmm. when they had those, those variant covers and all the special editions that yeah, all the nineties were a bad era for comics. They were just, it was, you know, towards it, towards the end of the nineties, it got started getting good again, but, but that, that, yeah. co- that collector's market was terrible and it almost ruined it. But even, yeah. even still you had X-Men cartoon, you had all those uh, figures that came out and, you know, you kept seeing, you kept, I, what I kept waiting for is like, as a kid, with some kind of like filmic adaptation, you know, like we grew up with, with the incredible Hulk TV show, which I loved as, as a, as a kid, but I was always like, well, they don't have, right. they don't have enough special effects. They don't have enough uh, super villains. They don't, you know, it was, it was very limited. And, 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 and a lot of people don't remember, I'm sure you do. They had this other bad TV movie kind of stuff back then on CBS, but, but we had that goofy Captain America you know, TV movie with, with the, with the motorcycle. Then he had the, the, the Spider-Man t- TV movie, which were, you know, the, the costume is really pretty bad. And they even had a Dr. Strange TV movie. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And, and all the, uh-uh, no, yeah, Dr. Strange. I never saw it until, uh, I guess probably the early 2000s. It was rerun on the sci-fi channel and it was real weak. I mean, it was, no kidding. it was not good, but that was the best that we, that we got, you know I mean? The best that we got as kids was that was the Adam West Batman show. And, and as much as I love that show, it was not representative of, of, of comic books, you know? So, so we waited and we waited and then, you know, we had a Superman movie and the right. Batman movie and all that, but even those were, were somewhat limited and you flash forward to right. 2000 and X-Men comes out. And X Men was like was like one of the first superhero films in a, in a long time, and it was huge. And it's odd though you think that X Men was was the, was the film that launched the comic book thing because X Men, you know, as much as we loved them, weren't the best known comic characters. But it didn't matter because right. it just you know Brian Singer, you know, uh, I mean, he's got some issues as we all know, but he 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 was able to to bring that to mass audiences. And once that happened. Sam Raimi does Spider Man, and then comic book movies become like the right. most, one of the most dependable and most uh, financially successful genres of all time. And you got to see all these characters taken to you know extremes of the kind of stuff that would have blown our minds when we were little kids, and now we're getting to see it as adults, and it's still just kind of blow my mind getting to see the stuff that I used to see on on the panels, you know, brought up and written, you know, and and live action and these crazy special effects and actors who really were taking it seriously and weren't just, you know, going for a laugh. I mean, Oh yeah. I think that was, I'm so glad they never made an X-Men movie whenever I was like 14. Yeah. So glad yeah, that they did not because they talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And then whenever they finally said, you know, here's, here's your X-Men movie and here's its release date. And Oh yeah. I was there. I was there opening night for sure. There was no way I was going to miss that. Yeah. So, you know, because it, it was, it was, it was my comic. It was the comic that I collected the most of. And you know what? It didn't disappoint me. And now in, in retrospect, I wish there's some stuff that they, that they would have done, but, but 
you know, considering that I think it was 2000, it was 2000 whenever that came out, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the first right X Men movie, right on the cusp. So, you know, it it you know, I'm 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 just glad that they waited and they didn't try to do it like in 1994 because it would have been a a, a disastrous bomb. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't have and worked. And nobody would touch it. Would not, would not have touched it. But now with you know with technology, even in 2000. And, you know, we see where it is now and, you know, for like, you know, Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War. I mean, those those films without the technology. Uh, it, it just wouldn't it, it, I don't think it would translate very well. You have you have to have that technology. Yeah, absolutely. And and just the the vision you know, and what I think about. What's crazy to me about about Marvel, and I and I've got some criticism of their films. I mean, they're not perfect, but you know, you had like Spider Man, and and you know, different film companies would take on these properties, but then all of a sudden, Marvel says we're going to do it ourselves, and they right. you know, start with Iron Man, and they start putting these lesser known characters, and they're making tons of money, and they and now they've made like what Marvel right. Studio, Marvel Studios is made like what twenty some odd movies. I mean, they made a ton of movies, and they're all box office you know, successes and they're doing everything from like the big characters, the guardians of the galaxy. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And then you have infinity war, which is the most ambitious of them, of them all. It's just wild. And weren't they doing the, the Netflix, um, daredevil and Luke cage, Jessica Jones. I I think that those were coming out of, yeah. And and Jessica Jones, I think those were all coming out of, out of, uh, Marvel studios as well. And I know they're, they're all in this sort of, weird period right now i think they canceled luke cage and iron fist but um i know daredevil's coming out with its third season and some of that stuff who knows if it's going to be on the next disney plus platform or not that's, yeah it's probably I'm where sure that's probably you know, where it's somebody, else, somebody else with a with a higher pay grade can figure that out but those shows uh it, I, I remember luke cage was was fairly well reviewed initially mm-hmm. and then it kind of uh, fell I, off I, the rails I, 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 yeah i think the second season might have really tanked it but those those had their own level of, of success as well it, it may have been a little bit more um missing the mark a little bit but getting into um i guess you might say television uh it's still a, i would still call it a success for uh, marvel studios itself and and you know you look, watch Daredevil, it's it's a far cry from the Incredible Hulk from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> they've definitely right. they've definitely right. up their game. They're they're about four episodes mm-hmm. too too long. And those, the seasons are all run too long, for my opinion. But but they they got the essence of the character right, and they finally got the uh, they finally got the um, Daredevil right. That movie they made with Ben Affleck is you know less said about that the the better. Oh my god, that was awful. So you know they finally got it right, but I think. Even though I think Marvel Studios, I, I get kind of the formula every once in a while. I'm like, can they try something different? Can they try something? You know, it gets kind of, but I know why they keep doing it because it, it works for them. But to be able to see the weird visions of Doctor Strange, of Steve Ditko kind of stuff actually brought to life or, or see all right. the, you know, I mean, basically Infinity War is basically like, like Secret Wars come to life. You know, it's like well, this, right. this, those yeah. things, we, those, uh, those uh, miniseries we read, read as kids, all those characters that were combining. Oh, yeah. 
and now you're seeing it on the big screen and it and it works. And you know, without Stan Lee, that stuff, you know, you're not it's just not gonna be there. And that's why yeah, he was it, in every it just wouldn't it wouldn't exist. It just would not exist. So to think that something, you know, that's that I used to enjoy as a small child in the seventies is just as popular, if not more popular today, is really yeah crazy. I mean, I never thought that that my daughter would be, uh, and actually, she's. I think she's more crazy about Captain America than I ever was as a kid. <laughs> 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 but she will anytime that uh, First Avenger or Winter Soldier is on. Uh, yeah, but Civil War, uh, any any of those three. She will stop down. She doesn't matter if the, you know, it doesn't matter if there's five minutes left in it. We got to watch these last five last five minutes down. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I never imagined that it would be something that I would be sharing with with my kids, my kid. <laughs> yeah, and my, I mean, obviously, my my daughter is too young to really appreciate it yet. Although we've been watching some stuff, but it was really funny because right. the other day I was kind of cleaning out some stuff and I found this old box that had all my Mego figures, all like the, the giant Captain America figures wow. in, and, uh, wow. and Sp- Spider-Man and all that. And they're all like missing arms and legs and their heads are all crooked, <laughs> but she was, she was playing with those. And I'm like, Mike, you know, she's, you know, this is like stuff that just, it crosses generations or something about these characters that just right. really, really just stay with you. And, and, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's something that, that just in, Stanley. Pretty amazing, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> it, it really is. I, and I think, you know, I was interviewing uh, Dave Windor from Monster Magnet a couple of years ago, and he's a huge Marvel guy, very much into, like, Jack Kirby and all, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And he was saying that basically, you know, comics are like our our modern mythology. You know, they're like the Greek gods for, you know, for, yeah. for like... Yeah. From like Generation X onward, you know, baby boomers and and uh, that's a cool way to look at it, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, Jack Kirby's inspired some of my songs and a lot of my lit lyrics, and and you know, he's like, that's, you know, it's like there's something about the those stories and and Thor and all that kind of stuff that was so kind of cosmic, you know. And and I thought that was a really cool way. I, I think he's one of the sharpest dudes out there, and especially for a stoner rocker, and he's got a lot of things, interesting things to say. <laughs> but but I, I like that aspect of it. That's really cool, and I, I, I bet he is not he is not alone. I bet there are plenty more like him that that share that same sentiment. And you know, I think it's you know I mentioned that comic commission where I met Jack Kirby, you know how cool he was, and I met Frank Miller, and he's a total dick. But that's kind of <laughs> n- 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 neither no way. neither neither here nor there. But that that memory just came back. <laughs> I thought I would throw that out there, but but I think we should probably close this out by talking about maybe what our like top three favorite Marvel characters are, something like that, that, that Stanley came up with. So I don't know if you have any on the top of your, top of your head. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I might be able to, to pin down a, a, at least a couple for you. Um, and, and it may, may go without me saying, but, Ever since I was a little kid, fifth, sixth grade, probably more sixth than anything. And it was whenever I was really, really starting to, to, you know, collect my 35 cents to go to Fantastic World, to go get my X-Men comic. 
but I loved Wolverine because we had the same name. And people <laughs> started calling me Logan. <laughs> at, at, at pretty much by the time that I graduated high school, I uh, people didn't know that my first name was Chris. Or, you know, people called me Chris. They thought that my name was Logan. And even to the, to this day, there there in, in any time that I I switched the job or whatever. Some people would call me Chris. Some people would call me Logan. And both sides would go, what? I thought your name was, and then fill in the blank, either Chris or Logan. So, but I, I just love the conflict always with Wolverine. Um, I, I always thought he was a, uh, I always thought he was kind of a romantic character. You know, you think about the way that, that, how he kind of longed for Gene, Gene Gray, mm-hmm. and would would have given up everything just to be with her, um, and maybe come to realization that he needed to move on, and in, in, in uh, you know finally or whatever. Um, anyway, I, I I just always loved his character. You know the 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 tough guy with a with the soft art, I guess you might, you might say. Yeah. I think Wolverine is like the ultimate, I think also in like a uh, wish fulfillment too. I mean, who wouldn't like to be a badass that could like, you know, never be killed and could take out anybody <laughs> and, and, you know, get away with being a, a jerk, but still have that kind of heart of gold underneath everything else. I mean, he was, He's like the, I mean, I think if anybody could be a comic book character, I mean, I, I, I think he's like, you know, he's like the, the best badass. I mean, Batman is my favorite, but Wolverine is right. just, Wolverine is definitely top five for sure. I mean, he's. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, Who do you have? I've got a, I've got a couple. I think Daredevil is definitely one of my favorites. I mean, I, I like, I like the fact that Stanley came up with the idea of, of using some limitations, but finding a way mm-hmm. around that. And I like the fact that he was a lawyer and he was, yeah. it was like, there's a conflict between this guy. Cause he was, he wanted to follow the law, but when he was off hours, you know, he was, he wasn't so sure about following the law, you know? And I think that, right. That daredevil. What's interesting is he was adapted so many different ways. And Frank Miller, though he was a jerk to me in a comic convention, really Frank Miller took Stanley's, creation and and i think kind of made it to the the character that we really know know and love i mean he really took it and cut and added the punisher to the mix and and was able to kind of make it gritty and and you know kind of predated his work with dark knight returns uh with doing the same thing with the the batman but i think daredevil is always Mm -hmm. it's just it's an interesting idea of having a character named after you know a superhero named after you know the lord of the underworld it's a cool thing i like i like the fact that it had that aspect to it, and the outfit is so cool. It's very minimalist, but it looks great. Yeah, think, he has yeah. actually one of my favorite, you know, I guess costumes. Yeah, so, uh, of any of them, just because of how how it seems so basic, but I, I I think what really punctuates are the two little horns that just barely are sprouting out of his head. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. The little Billy Club. Absolutely love that. Attached to the leg and the the boots and everything. It's just yep. a, it's, it's a very it's a, a very elegant 
design, yeah. really. It's a really cool, you know, because, you know, there are so many, I think nothing that, that separated, um, Marvel from DC, there's, there were fewer people with capes. There were plenty of capes, but there was, it was, there were, I think there's more characters in, in Marvel that they kind of dispensed with the cape and became yeah. kind of, kind of more, um, utilitarian. It was more practical, let's say, so you don't get stuck in a, yeah. in a door and get shot like Dollar Bill and Watchmen or, or die like, uh, uh, the bad guy in the Incredibles movie getting sucked into the, into the, uh, into the, uh, engine at, at the, right. at the end. No capes. Exactly. No capes. No capes. Okay, Ed, now we get it. <laughs> so good. But, but, but I, I think for me, I mean, while I may like the gritty characters best, I, I think I really liked it when, when Stan Lee went way out there and to, and, and out in the outer space and his cosmic stuff. And I think, Oh yeah. The two, the two best representations of that are Galactus and silver surfer. Oh yeah. I mean, the idea of a, of a guy who's so big, he can eat planets is (laughs) super cool. And then the idea, what a great idea that is. That's amazing. And and then you have silver surfer who was his herald who basically rebelled against him. And the silver surfer is like, he's like the, uh, you know, the, the philosopher of Marvel, he's very, you know, he was a pacif- right. pacifist and he had these very tortured thoughts and the power of cosmic. He was just a really, I think a totally different type of superhero than, 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 than anybody had at that point. He was, just, he, he wasn't out the fight. He tried not to fight. He was, he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't really even that into finding, uh, community. He was just born in like finding the truth and kind of seeking out knowledge and, 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 just trying to make a difference in a very unique way. And I think there was just something really cool about Silver Surfer that, you know, I wish they would do a, a film that would do him justice. Cause that second fantastic four film, I, I do not count. Is, is I was going to say, what did you think of that? I mean, cause I, that for me is, oh, I don't know. You guys need a, a complete do over. I think. <laughs> yeah. The fantastic four. I don't know why they can't get it right. I mean, the thought, the yeah. thought, the Fox film, the first two were bad, then they came back and tried to do that body horror thing, which was, ugh, that's, which was, that's, which, was ugh. which even went, arguably is worse. I mean, I guess since now, even though I I really don't like the idea that Disney's buying 20th Century Fox, I think it's just a little too much. They have too much under their arsenal. I know this way they can, they will at least get Fantastic Four back and try to do it. And X Men, they'll get the X Men back. And, you know, then they can just hand it back over to Marvel and say, okay, here you go. I, I, I think that's exactly what would happen in, in a situation like that. I don't think they're going to do anything else than it's under this umbrella now. All right. You have it back. Take off with it. And, I, 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 and, and, and that's, that's the, the, the fair thing for them to do. And I think it if if they actually decide to take it up again, it should it should be uh, just another tremendous hit. I think the problem with the Fantastic Four is that you know I mean that was one of Lee's earliest creation along with Spider Man. I mean the Fantastic yeah. Four that was you know Fantastic Four is interesting because that was like Stan Lee's competition with Justice League because because right. he had heard his boss had, had went golfing with like the uh, main guy from DC so they're going to develop a super team. And put all the superheroes together. So the guy came like, Stan, you gotta come up with a superhero team. You gotta, you gotta beat them to the punch. You gotta, right. you gotta beat Justice League. <laughs> so Stanley came up with the Fantastic Four. But they, they, I think 
I mean, if if I recall, Fantastic Four came out before we went to the moon, so it was before it was like we were right. we, we hadn't really left, you know. So the idea of cosmic race had a really scary then, but then you know we went to the moon, that stuff didn't exist, so it kind of it kind of made them a little more quaint, I, I suppose. So I think right. I think there's a way to do it, but I I think it's kind of like how how Marvel was able to take Captain America, which could have been really horrible if they did it bad and, and super corny. And they made him cool. They made Captain America cool. Yeah. So, I, so if they can do that to Captain America, I think they can do that to Fantastic Four. They seem to kind of tinker Absolutely. with it, tinker with it a bit. And I still think Michael Chiklis was a great thing. I think they should probably get him back in there. Yeah. I thought he was the, he was the, the only part about that film that that didn't totally irritate me. And I thought the Fantastic, I thought Silver Surfer looked kind of cool in the second film, but they certainly didn't. Right. Didn't, didn't. It looked it looked cool. But, but there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. my review. That, that's <laughs> that that's that's where it ends. That's yeah. where it ends. Well, I think, I think we pretty much have given Stan Lee a pretty good send off here. I, I, I hope, I hope so. He's, he, he, I, I spent a lot of money on this stuff. Yeah, I was, you know, twelve, thirteen years old. He got he 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 swindled. He 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 was the huckster that got you know thirty five cents. Well, probably more than that. Maybe a dollar a week. Yeah. Out of me whenever I was a kid from that little Fantastic Worlds uh, comic yeah. store, and 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 uh, mind you, I don't buy a lot of comics these days, but I sure as heck go to the movies and and buy the movies, and you know we get the T-shirts and all that good stuff. So he's he's not leaving this household anytime soon. I can tell you that. Yeah, he'll always, you know, I'll miss seeing him in the in the cameos, but we always can watch yeah. the old older films. Yeah. And and for those who are really, you know, I, what I really hope that this does is inspire some some kids out there to, to to go beyond the films and actually go back and read some of the comics. I know actually reading an actual piece of paper it sounds crazy these days, but you can get them yeah, online. That get, that seems to be the challenge, I think. But you know, there are digital comics you can go back and 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 find this stuff. But I think that you know. My, that's not my only concern with with comics becoming so film centric is that the actual comic books you know trade has has gotten smaller and yeah. much much more niche and it may just that may just be the the way it goes but at least in some form it's gonna you know it's pop it more popular than ever and yeah and we're never gonna we're never gonna forget Stan Lee I mean he was no nope. he helped define my childhood and I and there's no escaping him now so. <laughs> no there's not. He's, he's, I, I, I know that I have a handful of uh, the characters that he's created um, on 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 the horizon for for us to see and and hopefully read and pick up a book and and uh, enjoy. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this week's podcast. We will be back soon, where we are going to finally get around to our. Yeah. <laughs> fans that you either love or hate. We were going to do that this week, but we decided that Stanley really needed to have a send off. So we're going to do that for this week and we'll be back soon with, with that, which I'm really looking yeah. forward to and diving deep into, yeah, me too. into all that good stuff. So makes, for, makes it makes that hate bubble just a little bit more, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's another week of boil. Yeah, we 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 can do that, and then and then and then wait and wait to have people scream at us for what we got right and what we got wrong. That, that's that will a, be fine. That, that's I've that. heard it all before. That's 
That's right. That's, that's, that's part of the fun. If you don't, if you don't cause a reaction, there, there, it's like if a tree falls in a forest, it doesn't make a sound, no one's there to hear it. So I, right. Yeah. I I, if I don't get a reaction, then I'm not doing something right. So, all right. Well, thanks so much, Chris. It's always a blast yeah. doing this with you. And nice we'll, talking with you too. And we'll get together soon to finish off the love hate mix. Sounds good. All right, that wraps up our tribute to Stan Lee. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll be back soon to uh, discuss more pop culture goodness. Till then, take care, and uh, talk to you soon.